welcome to our Stations of the Cross journey. If you're listening to this in Central Hall, then please begin to walk towards Station 1. If you're listening to this elsewhere, then consider maybe going for a walk and visualizing each station as a reflection is read out. Matthew 26, verse 38. And then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Here, in a place called Gethsemane, we find the Son of God drenched in human sorrow. Fear constricts. Hands shake that would bear this cup with love, love, love. Something snake-like as death whispers, you could throw this all away. Here in deepest anguish, the mighty God made flesh does not allow himself to be alone. Stay here, keep watch with me, it is not good for us to be alone. Here among the leaves, deep sorrow breathes honesty. There is no hiding away of heart from friend or father. The deepest aches call to open up the soul, to embrace this human necessity of vulnerability, and pray with boldly honest prayers before the King. Please move to Station 2. Matthew 26, 14 to 16. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him thirty pieces of silver. From then on Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Iscariot means locksmith. Iscariot comes from an Aramaic word for brass lock. The one who held the key to the finances of the twelve disciples boldly and shamefully wanted to lock up Jesus. Why did he do it? What was his motivation? Was he disappointed with Jesus? Jesus wasn't living up to his expectations, maybe. Or was it shame? Jesus had recently rebuked Judas for despising the woman who washed his feet with perfume. Or was it just pure greed? Assuming the 30 pieces of silver were the Roman tetradrum coins, it would represent about four months wages of a skilled worker, a modest sum. Judas put a monetary value on the life of Jesus, the Son of God. We read in 1 Timothy 6, verse 10, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Further on in chapter 26 of Matthew, we read, 
While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man, arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. And Jesus replied, Do what you came for, friend. What a frightening sight, a large crowd armed with swords and clubs. Yet Jesus faced his betrayer, accepting his fate, and called Judas friend. Let's finish with some verses from Psalm 139. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Please move to station three. Jesus is condemned. Luke 22, verse 53. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. All across the Gospels, we see Jesus say again and again, My hour has not yet come. Finally, here it is. The hour has come when condemnation falls on Jesus' shoulders. He is harassed and condemned by the religious leaders. I wonder what was driving their fear of him. What drives our fear sometimes? Jesus submits quietly and peacefully. In this his hour, when darkness reigns, he is quiet and peaceful in the face of it. not overcome by it. Jesus, our friend, saviour, redeemer, innocent, yet condemned for us. Please move to station four. Station 4. Jesus is mocked. John 19, verses 1 to 3. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. 
they clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they slapped him in the face. You bow your head to receive your crown. Thorns are light, but it is a heavy crown to bear and your blood begins to flow. Hands are on the whip. It rises upwards, a claw grasping at this king to rip him and pull him down. We have no king but Caesar. We have no God but our pleasures. We have no law but mine. Whip and crown are crossed, and so are you, crossed out. In our strength we cancel you, in our pleasure we pity you. In our wisdom we decry your narrow mind, we are the righteous. Pilate rises, you were brought out. Here is the man, declares Pilate. But is it you, or is it us? For here we are too. Man, humanity in our dressing up as kings, wearing our toy crowns, proclaiming ourselves ruler, ripping down all who contest our supremacy. You stand there for us. In mocking you, we have only mocked ourselves. Our eyes meet, and I look away. But I know I will come back this way. Washed, alive and loved, I will follow you here. Please move to station five. Jesus is given his cross. John 3, verse 14 to 15. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. I've walked through those streets, they are narrow, steep, winding, bustling, heat-scorched, history-bearing streets. If my soft-soled, supportively healed feet can trip up and grow weary on those stones, if my throat can thirst, my shoulders hurt by the time I reached Golgotha, then what did our Lord feel like? bloody, beaten and abused, the weight of a solid wood crossbar slung over his shoulders, bearing the burden of our sins on his bleeding back. Jesus, we praise you and we thank you that you carried an instrument of torture so that we would never taste death. Your love and sacrifice leaves us in awe. Help us to love like you. Amen. Please move to station six. Station six, Jesus falls. 
unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. John 12, 24 Many of us are very familiar with the passage in Matthew 11, which talks of Jesus inviting us to come and take his burdens on our shoulders and allow him to lift ours onto his. Often we see this passage as respite, as relief from responsibility and weight. But here, as we reflect on this journey of Jesus, and at the point where we imagine Jesus stumbled as he walked with the cross, imagine our weights and our burdens on his shoulders. Jesus, fully human and fully God, knew weakness and suffering in this moment as he took the weight of not just the cross, but the weight of our burdens on his shoulders too. Imagine his exhaustion, how physically worn out he was after the last 24 hours, and imagine that weight that he was carrying physically and spiritually in this moment. Thank you, Jesus, for carrying our weights and our burdens, even when it brought you to the point of exhaustion. Thank you that for the joy set before you, you endured this cross. You carried our weight. Please move to Station 7. Station 7. Simon carries Jesus' cross. In Luke 23, verse 26, we read, As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. Imagine being pulled from the crowd and carrying Jesus' cross, this device of death. What would it have been like to walk alongside Jesus in this? How would the weight of the cross feel on your shoulders? What things would you be thinking? Would you be looking at the broken man beside you? Or maybe at the stairs of the crowds? In Matthew 16 verse 24 we read, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. God, we choose to surrender ourselves to you in this moment and follow wherever you lead. Please move to station eight. Jesus is stripped. When God made Adam and Eve in his own image, they were without clothes, and this was something 
that was beautiful. But after they ate from the tree, the idea and concept of nakedness being something that was shameful came into the world. This idea remained, and when Jesus was crucified, the Romans did what they did to all criminals. They stripped Jesus. Take a moment to reflect on the shame of nakedness in this moment. Luke 23, verse 34, reminds us of how Jesus responded by saying, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Let us never forget that Jesus, God's son, was treated just like any other criminal when he went to the cross. And he did this and paid this price so that we didn't have to. Amen. Please move to station nine. Jesus is nailed to the cross. Matthew 27, 46. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The long physical pain of crucifixion was excruciating. In fact, the word excruciating is derived from crucifixion. I see this picture and I think about Jesus nailed to the cross. And I mourn. I think about the size of the nails they used to crucify him, and I mourn. I think about the weight of humanity upon his shoulders, and I mourn. I think about the Son of God reduced to that shameful death, and I mourn. I think about the pain that he suffered and endured, and I mourn. I think about Jesus' obedience to the Father to save all humanity for what we should have paid. Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Philippians 2, 6-11 Jesus, thank you for the sacrifice you did for me on the cross. I do not take it for granted. Please move to station 10.
Jesus dies. John 15 verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. Pausing to reflect on the reality of Jesus' death is not easy or comfortable. Jesus had to endure a slow and an excruciatingly painful death. The spotless lamb was slain and sacrificed for our sin and to give us eternal life. Jesus died on a cross as the ultimate sacrifice for you and I to receive the most pure love. No matter how profoundly we sin, or how catastrophically we fail, or how far we fall, his love and grace is in abundance. Let me read from a famous hymn, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only Son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss, the Father turns his face away, as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. I will not boast in anything. No gifts, no power, no wisdom. But I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. Amen. Please move to station 11. Luke 23, 52-56 Going to Pilate, Joseph asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had been yet laid. It was preparation day and the Sabbath was about to begin. The woman who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. Imagine being one of these friends right now, the total spin of emotions filling your brain. They were all within their right to be feeling all the feelings of deep pain and sadness and confusion. I don't know if you've ever buried a loved one, standing graveside with that cinema reel of memories flooding your head, then walking away after saying goodbye for the last time. It's really hard and deeply painful. Right in front of them is the saviour of the world, dead. The one they had seen save and heal and restore hope to so many, dead. The one who had brought life now lifeless. That wouldn't have seemed right. How do you even begin to grieve for a person like that? See, the Jewish Sabbath day was Saturday, the day after Jesus' death. There was no time to prepare Jesus' body properly for burial. 
After watching their saviour die, these friends couldn't even pay their proper respects because of the Jewish law to keep the Sabbath holy. So it brings a whole new significance to the story of the alabaster jar a few days earlier. Where the woman pours the perfume all over Jesus, Jesus was prepared to die. His friends were not prepared at all, but Jesus was. He was ready to be buried. What a mixed up time. And so they step into their Sabbath day full of the real raw pain of grief, totally unaware it was actually a day of waiting, thinking hope had all gone. How often do we allow ourselves to be crippled by the lack of faith in God's plan? Are we trusting that God is always good, even in the waiting? Please move to station 12. Jesus rises. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Jesus shows us that there is something beyond death, a new life. He has gone before us. He has beaten death and a new life awaits. Thank you, Jesus, for your power in overcoming death and bringing hope and purpose to our lives on earth just now. As we come to the end of this journey, take a moment now to pause and listen to this poem as it's read out. I heard a mother wailing, heartbroken by loss, in the hum of flies in the afternoon heat. The guttural gasp of a dying man near the chatter of guards on their afternoon break. Thunder rumbled behind blackened sky, then his laboured cry, Tetelestai, it is finished. The splintering of wood as they pulled bodies down and the twist of nails drawn out of limbs. Feet pounded earth as they took him away. It is silent. Now that the aftershock of shuddering sobs has subsided and my heartbeat has slowed to resting, I kneel here in deafening quiet, watching a solitary ant pick his way through the dust, searching for nourishment on the cracked earth. The air lies thick and heavy while creation stills its breath, as if everything has stopped poised waiting for the shattering crack of rock to resound on walls of tombs declaring loud for all to hear that he is risen. Amen. Thank you for joining us.